Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today in the show, we're going to talk a little about the importance of regular soil tests. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything going on in your farm, you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com. Or send us a note on X, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so we'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. But before we do, just to kind of start you off on the soil test thing, I know we, we talk about soil tests just about every day on the show. Here's why. It's probably the most important thing that you can take a look at on your farm to maximize your profits, potentially increase your yield, or... Uh, basically utilize your fertilizer dollars better. That's one of the things we always talk to people about is, I mean, just stop and think about it for a second. What did your parents and your grandparents teach you about farming? Probably spent a lot of time with equipment and a lot of time with weed control. I know Darren and I sure did on the farm. Uh, But how much was spent reading a soil test? How much was spent understanding the soil and what happens there and the relationship with one nutrient to the next and what your overall fertility load needs to be, the balance, how much your crop's actually using and when it's using, all those kind of things, they are tremendously important. And especially today, because I think about even when I got out of college and I was on the farm and a young agronomist and everything. We were shooting for 130 bushel corn. That's it. And our farm average, I remember it was in the 30s, mid-30s. Well, today we're averaging in the 60s most of the time for beans. And our corn average over the last, I don't even know, 8, 10 years has probably been 220, 225. And that's including all the junk. So you go, Wow. The better areas of our field are now making 80 or 90 bushel beans. The better areas of our fields are now making 270, 300 bushel corn. Uh, We need a lot of fertility. Otherwise, we're falling behind. We're going to fall behind fast. So in terms of soil testing, here are two, well, in terms of soil fertility, here are two ways you can look at this thing. Number one, I like soil testing because that helps us identify where are the problems. If I have a problem in my field, I can't really catch it if I use method number two for fertilization, which is I just want to replace what I've removed. Okay, so here's the thing. If I go out one time and I do one acre soil test grids and I fix everything, at that point then, theoretically, I should be able to just maintain, right? We've been using this new software program called Verify. So basically, it'll take your yield map and turn it into a variable rate fertilizer application map. So now across every acre of the field, every field, I can put on exactly what I removed. It's awesome. Or if I want, I can go out and do soil testing again, and then I can try to fix any problems that may yet remain. So one way or the other, we're going to encourage you to take a look at those things. Because it's just like yesterday on the show, we were talking with a farmer who said, okay, I just, I want to do better. How do I do better? Okay, well, where's your starting point? Well, I'm doing pretty good on this and that. And, you know, it's all great. But, okay, do you have drainage issues? That's what we always look at first. Then the next thing, fertility. How are you doing on fertility? Well, I don't have soil tests. Well, can you send them to us? Get them and send them to us. Because that's usually number two. 
And people want to talk a lot about seed corn varieties and soybean varieties. I really don't care that much. I really don't. That's way down on my list. Variety doesn't make nearly as much difference as your fertility program or drainage. Those are the top two. And certainly weed control, super important. Insect control, super important. Disease control, super important. And I look at, I'll be honest, I look at all those things before I care about which corn variety do I want to have in my farm. Which soybean variety do I want to have on my farm? Or I shouldn't even say it that way. Which of the 10 varieties I want to plant in terms of corn am I going to have on my farm? And which of the five varieties of soybeans do I want on my farm? Because I'm going to have a whole bunch and spread my risk. But yeah, fertility, super important. We're just going to encourage you. Soil test on a semi-regular basis. Doesn't have to be every year like we do. We do it mainly for data and everything else. And so we have more things to talk about here on the show. But if you're testing once every two to four years, and at least if you're replacing what you're moved, and I'm not talking about, well, my farm averaged 200, so I put enough fertilizer out there for 200. That is not replacing what you're moved. You have now depleted the best spots, and you put way too much on the bad spots. Use something like I was talking about, verify. Take your yield map, turn it into a variable weight application map, so you actually put out there what you removed. That is the way to do it. All right. We'll talk more about soil tests throughout the show today, but right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, got this one that came in from Evan down in Iowa, and he said, I'm curious about phantom yield loss in corn. Um, just curious, uh, what what All are right. the real numbers you've seen experimenting with high-moisture corn, and could you share the breakdown per percent of moisture versus yield loss that you found? Well, look, we haven't done super extensive studies on this, but I'll put it this way. Some people talk about 30 bushel, 50 bushel yield gain because of phantom yield loss. We've never seen any, any anywhere close to that. So are you going to gain a little bit? Of course you are, but I don't call it phantom yield loss at all. And some people I know are going to dispute this. And I mean, if, if somebody can prove it to me, something else, Great. I'd love to see the data. But what I believe, it's not phantom at all. It's disappeared because of animals, uh, just flat out deterioration. Some stuff ends up on the ground. And then a whole bunch goes up in the air. And you might say, what? There can't be that much that goes up in the air. So it was my job on our farm to run our grain dryers for 20 straight years. And every time the grain was dry and we dumped that corn, I saw all kinds of stuff go up in the air and when it was in the bin a whole bunch went out of that bin in the air so my point is if you get it if you harvest it a little bit wetter you now are in control and you can dry it down yourself to the right moisture you have pulled everything in off the field that should come in off the field instead of it ending up in the in the stomach of an of a deer or on the ground or wherever else so yeah is there a little bit sure but if you're going to haul it to the elevator at 22 it's pretty tough to afford that compared to hauling it in at 18 or 19. stay tuned we'll be right back hey fred how's harvest coming well gotta take care of my stds your what <laughs> my soil transmitted disease Got white mold spreading in my bean fields again. Foliar fungicides alone just aren't cutting it, and I can't seem to get rid of it. Fred, get ahead of the spread. My agronomist highly recommends Contans WG from Sipcam Agro. It's definitely your solution to control white mold at its source. Huh, thanks, Joe. I'm calling my retailer today for Contans WG. 
You've done it. Your yields are on the rise. But when it comes to marketing, are you falling short? Invest in yourself with Agris Academy. Agris Academy is offering a first-of-its-kind masterclass in commodity merchandising and risk management. Learn the best practices and tactics of the world's leading risk managers and apply them to your farm. Contact your buyers with a new confidence and boost your farm's profitability. Agris Academy's 10-week masterclass begins this November and is hosted on Acres TV. Sign up today with early discount code ACRES at agrisacademy.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for as little as $2,100 per bin with the end zone for corn from FarmShop MFG. Learn more at FarmShopMFG.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio and right before the break we were answering a question about phantom yield loss. So here's the whole thing. It, the, the, what it really comes down to is how much can I afford to dry grain by the yield gain that I'm getting. And I just made the comment before the break, it's pretty tough to haul grain into the elevator when they're going to charge you quite a bit to dry that grain down at 22% compared to if you were at, at let's say, 18 or 19% where you harvest it, you bring it in, you don't have near as much drying cost. Are you going to gain enough to offset that? I doubt it. I really do. But the only way you're going to know, the only way you're going to prove this to yourself is you got to try some things out. Just test it out. Do a few rows in the field. Haul them in. And when it's a little wetter, do a few more rows when it gets a little bit drier and just see how many bushels for average yield that I get there versus the other by the time each one is shrunk down. Okay. And I will say on our farm, we look at things a little differently. We've got a, a propane tank where, where we can hold over a semi load of propane. I can buy the propane cheap. We have grain dryers that have been with us for a long time. They're all paid off. So are our bins. I don't have any, any equipment there in our grain handling system that's newer than 15 years old. Now, granted, we've maintained it. We've spent a few dollars on maintenance and everything else. But my point is I can dry grain super cheap. So I'm perfectly comfortable when our guys start at 24 25% moisture just so we get done. And also, I'll put it this way. In terms of drying grain down yourself on the farm, you can dry it a lot more efficiently, effectively, and less expensively when the air temperature is 70 as opposed to when the air temp is 40. So I like starting early. I think I'm going to gain enough myself if we bring it in at 24. Um, but I can't tell you that if you're going to haul it into the grain elevator. I really don't think you're going to. Yeah, lots of lots of questions there. And I, I just like everything else, I just encourage growers to do some trial work on your own farm. See what you see. 
it's not hard to do this. It doesn't cost much other than you're probably going to have one extra move during harvest season where you start into a field at, say, it's 24 25%, and then you leave, and you leave half the field or something, and you come back and catch it when it's 17 18% to see what you get. But that that's a good thing to do. Try it out on your farm so you learn. And, um, you know, a lot of these things, you're going to be using those lessons for the next 20 or 30 years. So it's it's really important to do. And talk to a few neighbors. Have them do the same thing. Compare some notes. Well, one other thing you might want to talk to your neighbors about, too, is soil testing. We're talking today about the importance of regular soil testing on your farm. And we've got Abe Isaac with us, who works with AgriLiquid out in the state of California. Abe, how you doing? Good. How are you? Well, pretty good. Uh, as soon as I said California, I got thinking, ooh, I wonder what kind of regulation there is around soil testing there and nutrient levels and those types of things. There may be regulation involved here, and that wasn't exactly the, the idea behind our topic today of taking regular soil tests. Ours was more from an agronomic perspective that things can change out in fields. What do you advise for, for the growers that you work with about soil testing? Well, I like to see my growers uh, test every year. If, if possible, at least every other year. And uh, that seems to give you uh, a consistent trends as you're looking through it. And uh, you can plan for that, plan for what your yields are going to be, and uh, kind of dial that in a lot better the more information that you have. So yearly is a great way of doing it if a guy can do it. You know, I think about some of the leachable nutrients, whether you're irrigating or, or in dry land situations, nutrients like nitrogen and, and the sulfate, sulfur, boron, those kinds of things that can move through soil. It's tough to guess exactly how much is going to be out there if you aren't measuring it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that we have here in California, you talk about nitrogen, is you can go out there and you can pull that sample out and go, okay, where's my nitrogen level? And they tend to be very low even after you've just put fertilizer out there put the nitrogen out there and uh so it, but if you've irrigated a couple of irrigations after you've applied that nitrogen you go out there and you pull that sample and you go oh my goodness i need to throw nitrogen on there don't panic it's it's there it's probably got a little bit deeper than than where you are pulling your sample from uh the plants probably have used it up so you're you're do your normal nitrogen program that you have and and don't get too twitterpated about those types of things but uh they they do leach out very quickly and they can give you some false numbers like you say learning the trends and kind of understanding how these things work over the years can save you some of that panic where you say oh no what happened here if if you do some testing on a regular basis you'll see uh, we often do some deeper testing too with some of those leachables just to see if it moved down but you know, you've got a lot of differences there. I think about the water quality issues that we talked to a lot of farmers in California about yeah. that. Oh, we got high yeah. sodium levels or, or levels of other things that are in the water that we're using that that can really make some tests be a little wonky too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you get up in the north part of the San Joaquin Valley and you have uh, 15 inches of rain to 20 inches of rainfall a year, whatever normal is, but that's what the traditional averages have been. Uh, your water quality is better there. And when you get down into Kern County towards, uh, towards the southern part of, of, Kern, of the San Joaquin Valley, sodium becomes a huge issue because you're talking about five or six inches of rainfall and then everything else is coming off of surface water. And uh, you have to deal with that sodium. And so you irrigate differently and you do those things to leach that out of that soil if you can. 
You know, when, when we look at soil testing, one of the things that we've been talking about too is doing it in smaller grids or smaller zones just to identify some of the variability and some of the things that you can do to fix it. Uh, sure. I know you guys talk about that a lot at AgriLiquid as well with the, the research that you're doing, how to fix some mm-hmm. of these problem areas. What are some of the, the things you've identified by just regularly soil testing with the growers you work with? What we found is that uh, sodium is such a huge issue, and it is it has spread more throughout California in the last twenty years than, than what we've what we've had, and that's just because of drought and and not having that water to drive that that sodium out of the soil. Uh, growers in the past have also not necessarily paid as close attention to some of the micronutrients that they need to, and. Uh, Pretty soon they, they go three or four years and they go, wait a minute, I've gone from a pretty good situation to I'm deficient and getting getting caught back up on those things. So I, I think sometimes the, the micros and uh, the sulfur and things like that, making sure that you're, you're staying on top of those things and looking at those, because uh, those will have a very large impact on yield, on whatever, whether you're growing soybeans or corn or peaches or almonds. Uh, you've got to make sure that those things are at the right levels. Yeah, you mentioned drought, and I, I just look at our own farm and the soil test results we've had over the last few years here where we've had about half of normal rainfall. It, it changes things. We see pH move around a little bit and uh, some of these leachables that uh, we would expect would have maybe moved through the soil really haven't, and, and they've held up pretty well, which is kind of good to know before you start spending more money on fertilizer. I, I think regular soil testing, I know it costs a little money, takes a little time, but my experience has been we've saved money on fertilizer by doing the testing. Absolutely. I, I think sometimes we're always looking for that silver bullet. What's missing? I'm going to put this this nutrient on, and that's going to get my yield up 20%, and I'm going to be going. But as we farmed and we've all been doing this for years and years. We realize they're very seldom is there that silver bullet that we're looking for. And as you have these drought years you're coming on that we've had here, uh, and your water quality drops off, and your bicarbonates start to build up in that water as well, and the sodium and those issues, what that does to your, your soil is it makes it, uh, for lack of a better term, slick, kind of slimy, and sticks together. And your water penetration can be greatly uh, hindered by that. And so going back and looking at your base saturation, making sure that your calcium and your magnesium and your potas- and your potassium are all in balance with each other in that, in that ratio. I, I know there's that perfect number that we want to have, and it's hard to get there, but it's always something that we need to shoot for. And when we get that correct, a lot of other things start to fall into balance, and we start to get a much better bang for our buck coming back on our, on our nutrition programs as we're doing it. Um, if you've got a soil that's low in calcium uh, and you keep throwing on nitrogen, you think, I need to increase with that. No, the problem is you need more calcium Yeah, and, and what that does. Yeah, it's really important to, to get those soil tests done, get some numbers that we can use to help us manage our ground even better. We're talking with Abe Isaac here with AgroLiquid about that. Abe, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. We'll talk more about soil testing coming up right after this. Stay tuned. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented season-long side-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall. The tractor that is the one for all. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about the importance of regularly soil testing on your farm. And uh, our next guest is somebody who has done a lot of soil testing over the years and advises many farmers on what to do with those soil tests. It's Ben Ice with Ice Soil Ice's Soil Restoration. Easy for me to say, Ben. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? So. We're doing well. We're doing well. All right. So we get this question with, with growers. They say, well, how often should I soil test? And it's interesting because we'll get a lot of other factors thrown in here, Ben. Well, I'm in a three crop rotation. Well, I'm doing this. Well, I'm doing this. But it, it still comes down to you got to have some data to work with. How often do you like to see your customers soil testing? Well, it depends. I mean, the biggest thing it comes down to is 
what is um <clears throat> what's the size of the soil are they looking are they working in sands you know mediums silt silt i mean where how heavy their soils are because if they're sandy it's like almost every year or the other year um, my other guys typically it's i don't know three years typically sometimes we go four on the really heavy soils but i mean we just got to work on the to-do list on the test i mean it's whether it's liming or micronutrients or whatever it is so when when you look at that there's a lot of different ways of of feeding crops and I, I love the name of your business soil restoration and we know our job as farmers is take those nutrients turn them into bushels sell the bushels and then we got to put more nutrients back out of there do you look at fertilizing every year do you, a lot of your guys do in every other year and try and build for two crops How, what's the best way you found to do that um, the guys are kind of all over the board. I have some guys that we go in there and then we um, pretty aggressively go at it, but it all comes back to budget, seeing what you can afford, building a priority list of what your nutrients and what your fertility budget is, and then just moving forward on the goals, whether they're owned or rented. Um, it's That gets really specific by the farm and the guy. So um, the biggest thing is the more, you know, when you put it in there, a lot of it's there for multiple years. That's one of the bonuses of micronutrients and lime and so on. So, Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. There, there are a lot of nutrients that stay put pretty well in soils, especially like you mentioned, if you've got some heavier ground or higher organic matter ground uh, where you can do those things. Uh, another thing you mentioned, Ben, is a priority list. And as we look at soil tests, that's something that we try to work through with farmers as well. What are the priorities? What are the things that are going to be the most important here to make a difference in your crop? Where do you start on the soil test? What are what are some of the things you'd say, man, I got to watch this and make sure that's in line or I can't get anything else to work? Well, I mean, it, the biggest thing is you got to look at your NPK and S, and then the next thing is, you know, calcium, magnesium. Um, and then you just work your way down the micronutrients. Typically, we once we got calcium situated, we do boron. Then we look at zinc. <clears throat> and if manganese is sufficient, we'll go after copper. We'll we'll kind of balance that accordingly. So, yeah, lots of different so, lots yeah. of different nutrients. I, I like that approach. Let's look at those micros. Let's see where we're at. And and you mentioned too, sometimes on these micros, you only have to build them up every so often, and you can ride quite a while on on that application i know neil kinsey had made that comment too with copper that he had a client he worked with that put on copper once and didn't have to come back again for another 20 years so it, it just depends on what you're doing for your crop and and how much you're removing from the soil and so forth now we're talking with ben ice here in the state of minnesota so a lot of ground freezes too ben uh, do you like to get stuff done in the fall before freeze up or are you seeing a trend uh, to do things in crop as well well, we try to do spring and fall the best we can. If it's really dry, we have some areas that are really dry, I don't recommend soil sampling that stuff because you can, but then we have to do some extra tests called the K displacement, which we don't have time to talk about right now. But um, adequate moisture, I like to get things done in the fall. You can drill them. I'm not as much of a fan because of iron and manganese in the bits. But, um, yeah, we just try to get at it as hard as we can in the fall, and then we finish up in the spring if we have to. And then kind of put guys on a program, you know, as long as it ain't super dry. Like Dakotas, they were they were wet this year, so there was areas where we were able to get out and sample, and it probably been three and a half, four years because of some of the droughting out there. So, Yeah, lots of jobs to do in the fall here for sure, one of them being soil testing that's super important. Talking with Ben Ice over in Minnesota. Ben, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. 
All right. Thanks for having me on. You guys have a good day. So. You bet. You too. Got Trey Kroger with us right now down in Mississippi. He's an agronomist there. Trey, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you gentlemen? Well, pretty good. We're looking at when is the frost date and how soon are things going to freeze up up here? I don't think you guys are as, quite as worried about when it's going to freeze up and the ground's going to be rock hard in Mississippi. But uh, looking at soil tests, when do you guys like to pull soil tests? Uh, overwhelming vast majority of our soil sampling is going to occur in the fall between harvest and when it starts raining or, you know, it gets really, really late. But uh, we try to get almost all of our soil sampling done in the fall between harvest and like I said when it starts raining at some point in time in the fall because here it's south when it starts raining in the fall that's usually it doesn't stop and we just don't really get back in the field much at all sure sure you know what the the crop rotations that that many of the guys are running there is there are there certain crops you want to make sure you're soil testing after or are you trying to do it every year or what what kind of program is common there uh, you know, in this geography, I mean, corn and soybeans, and you know, to a little bit, I'm gonna say a lesser extent, cotton, because you know, just we just don't have the cotton acres that we used to. You know, there are certain geographies within the mid south that still do plant a lot of cotton, uh, but it's just not as vast as what it used to be. You know, so corn and soybeans are going to be the primary drivers, and a lot of producers in this geography, they get on a one out of every three years. A lot of folks that sample every fall, um, you know, every other fall or every three years, and you know, we use that um, soil sampling you know, to make essentially their, I'm going to say their macronutrient recommendations, the P and K predominantly, you know, for the next uh, three years. The, the economics are such, the expenses are such that uh, nobody, at least in this geography, is really in a build status anymore we're not really building up p and k levels you know like like maybe we used to now we're just at a maintenance level trying to let's say spoon feed the crop almost on an annual basis um because uh just you know everything is so expensive including fertilizer application that uh, uh we just aren't in that uh, build phase anymore yeah, you're sure right about that. It's a big expense, and and trying to manage that expense of fertility and and really turn it into an investment where we know we're going to get a nice return out of each dollar spent is what what farmers are trying to do. What are some of those nutrients, Trey? Is it just NPK and sulfur that are that are really a big deal for hitting those returns, or are you seeing that even out of some of the micros there? P and K, you know, N and S obviously you know, are are big but those are almost you know we spoon feed those uh, essentially every p and k are the drivers across all the acreage uh, we are starting to get into and i think doing a better job of trying magnesium um you know some of the more of the micronutrients um a lot of the Distributors are developing products now that you know will encompass some of those micros and macros. You know that um, they might have some P, maybe some K, and what man they're really focusing on things like copper, manganese, zinc, um, some iron. Um, so we we got a host of, of products, if you will, that um, can be utilized. And it seems like we're utilizing more and more of them uh, into some of those micronutrients. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're seeing the same trend here. A lot more. 
use of micronutrients, a lot of guys focusing on on some of these things and really noticing some differences, especially in some of these stressful years where we were we were hot up here this year. We were hot and we were dry. And I know that's not uncommon in Mississippi either. And you see that kind of stress having the micros in there that are responsible for so many of the functions within the plant. It's super critical. We're talking with Trey Kroger here. He's an agronomist down in Mississippi. Trey, I know fall's a busy time for you. Really appreciate you taking a little time to talk to us. Yes, sir. Anytime. You bet. We're talking about soil tests on today's program and the importance of pulling soil tests on a regular basis. Getting that data back is so critical. Yes, you can watch your plants and see, man, I, I see some nitrogen deficiency showing up or I see potassium showing up or zinc or something like that. But once you see that deficiency, you're way too late. You're way ahead uh, from a financial standpoint to pull some soil tests, get some numbers, see where you're at. And if you notice the trend is going down, get those numbers built back up. We'll talk more about soil testing coming up right after this. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same especially when it costs you yield. Drago corn heads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears, self-adjusting deck plates save kernels, longer knife rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other corn head works like a Drago or pays you back like one. Get the best deals of the season through December 15th. Learn more at dragooffers.com. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. 
I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's go back to the phone lines. We've got Nick Tinsley with us right now with BASF. Nick, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Now, we're talking about testing in the soil uh, for nutrients, but we should be talking about nematodes as well. We're seeing some big, big numbers in the nematode tests uh, from farmers that are sending things in here this fall. What are you seeing, Nick? And are there some states or some areas where there are some real big concerns with nematodes right now? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. Um, we're starting to see a lot of samples come in. Of course, the fall is the best time to sample for soybean cyst nematode. And so really the, the bottom line is everywhere we look for it, we find it. And more often than not, we're finding it at above threshold values. So uh, definitely something growers need to be thinking about this fall. What do you say when you say above threshold levels? I've heard growers say, well, here's a high number in our area and it's different from one area to the next. What do you think is a, is a high number where growers really need to start worrying about nematodes? Yeah, that's also a great question. So if you look at the different extension uh, thresholds, they can vary quite a bit. And that can be a challenge for growers trying to make decisions. I think traditionally, we think of 500 eggs per 100 cc's of soil as a pretty decent overall threshold. Um, But of course, that's going to change quite a bit. If you've got a sandier soil, if you've got a higher pH, um, those are going to be situations where the damage is going to be more severe. And so you would actually think of the threshold as being lower than that. Yeah, that's right. And drought years like this one in our area really showed those spots because if you've got tons and tons of moisture and even if you have a compromised root system, you can still pull in all the water and nutrients you need, no big deal. But when you, when every little root is so critical to try and get that last drop of water to keep the plant alive, a nematode pressure can, can show up real fast. One other thing we're seeing too, Nick, a lot of growers are saying, the, the nematode-resistant genes that are out there on soybeans are just running out of gas and, and not working as well, especially the PI88788, which is in most of the varieties that are out there. What are you seeing with seed treatments? What are you seeing with other management practices to try to keep nematodes at bay? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, we've been using mostly that same source of resistance since about in the early 1990s. And I think, you know, growers are no stranger to uh, resistance buildup, right? And so, um, you know, things like crop rotation and using other sources of resistance like Peking can be helpful. Um, you know, there's just not that much of it out there uh, in, in our varieties. And so using a seed treatment is a great way to provide some extra level of protection. Um, get that plant off to a healthy start, and that's going to impact yield later on in the year. Now, when I've pulled tests on our farm for nematodes, I, I don't like to pull it with a soil probe. I, I like to pull it with a shovel, and generally I'm pulling it right in a, an old soybean row. Do you have any tips for growers that say, well, hey, I haven't, haven't pulled samples before, it's been a long time. What are the best practices to get a good, accurate result? 
Yeah, I, I think pulling from a soybean row is a really good practice because, um, you know, you're going to be able to, that's where the nematodes are, are living. And so if the goal is really to say, hey, what what do I have here? That's a great um, a great way to approach it. The other thing I'd say is that, you know, you can, you can take a lot of samples in a field, you know, um, and, and kind of combine those into a composite sample. These things can be pretty variable. And so it's important not to just go to one or two spots, but to maybe walk, you know, or ride across the field and take 10 samples before you kind of combine those up. Um, those are all kind of great things you can do. And another thing to be thinking about are these areas in our fields where, you know, yields maybe are not as strong as what they are in other areas, and, and we don't quite know why a lot of times it's nematodes underground that are making other problems like nutrient um, stress worse. So so definitely check out those problem areas in your field. That's a lot of times where they're hiding in plain sight. Yeah, I agree. That's that's a, a big uh, hint for me when I see an area that, oh boy, I've got 60 bushel soybeans and wait, this area's got 30. What's going on here? And a year like this where we were stressed for moisture that, that's a great time to find where those spots are. I know for growers that have center pivot irrigation, a lot of times they'll see those on the outside edges uh, and they'll show up there first, but that doesn't mean they weren't just as bad out in the field. I, I'm not saying, well, just sample in the corners of the field. No, you want to look out in the field too because chances are they're out there as well. Uh, talking with Nick Tinsley here with BASF. Nick, any other pointers for us on nematodes? Yeah, I'd say, you know, now's a great time to sample. It's not too late. After we get that crop off, it's easy to move around. And, you know, I would just say there's some great resources out there. Um, TheSCNCoalition.com is a great place with a lot of resources that growers can learn more about how to sample and, and what management strategies are out there for them. Great tips, Nick. Thank you so much. Good luck here the rest of this fall. Thank you. Bye-bye the scncoalition.com. I agree with Nick. Lots of good resources there if you want to learn more about soybean cyst nematodes and, and the impact they're having and, and also just how to pull good samples for your farm so you get nice data to work with. It's kind of what we're talking about, just regular soil tests as well, trying to get that good data so you can maximize what you're doing out on each acre. Ben Ice brought up something kind of interesting too about dry soils. So we run into various soil conditions depending on the year it's people will tell me it's too wet it's too dry um, i don't have time um, i'm i'm worried because there's lots of residue out there well there's no residue out there my soil is compacted uh, i mean there are all kinds of reasons or excuses you can use to not test your soil i'm just going to encourage you please test your soil you don't have to do it, like I say, every year. Even if it's every two to four years, something like that, it's fine. But when you actually do test, please get a complete test and make all the changes you need rather than just look at NP and K and call it good from there. We made that mistake on our farm almost 25 years ago now. And I thought, oh, this will be great, loading up the P and the K. We got some really good advice on that, that, hey, our levels were too low for maximum yield, so we upped the P and K. It was great. And we did better. But the problem was immediately we started having issues with other nutrients like zinc and copper because they tie absolutely directly to phosphorus. So if you don't get the nutrients in ratio, then you got not maybe as much problem as we had before, but we all had a problem. And it's not that difficult. Just 
test, I mean, on, on a test, it probably only costs an extra couple bucks to have a complete test rather than just the NPK test. And then you'll know and you can see. And by the way, like to fix zinc, that is not difficult at all. So, Darren, I know we got a question on, on zinc. Let's, let's take that right now, and I'll just give you a quick example on how this could be done. All right. This one comes in from Doug, and he said, okay, guys, my, my goal is to Oh, get... by the way, uh, during the break, Darren, tell him what you asked me. Well, I said, said Brian, I, we're going to have a little math problem here on zinc. Would you like to do it ahead, or would you like to do it just on live fly. on the fly? And he said, let's do it on the fly. Just Part of it is because just to see how quick this can be done. And I, and I know not everybody's a math whiz, but this isn't super complicated no. here either. Okay. Okay. So let's Doug said his, his first goal here is to get his P1 levels, so that's phosphorus, yep. uh, on a Malik 3 test. He well, wait, get, it's not P1 on well, a Malik 3. He wants to get his phosphorus, phosphorus okay. on a Malik 3 to 100 parts per million. Okay. He's going to do some variable rate dry, plus got he's it. going to put some manure out there. Okay. He's got a 10 to 15 CEC. Okay. He said his zinc level right now is about four parts per million, okay. but pretty consistent throughout the field. And um, his, his uh, Kinsey test, the zinc came in at seven parts per million, a little different measurement level. Okay. He's curious in a pH of six to seven, how many pounds of dry 35.5% zinc sulfate does he need to apply to get his zinc levels up to five parts per million if they're at a four right now? Oh, okay. And he wants to be at that 10 to one phosphorus to zinc ratio. Um, well, then that's, he's going to have to get more than. Yeah, that's that's a 20. Oh, I'm sorry. Raise his levels another five parts per million. Okay, now it's starting to make sense. Okay, but the thing, okay. All right, let's just say you want to raise it up five parts per million. All right? So here's how we do this real quick. Five parts per million, you multiply times two to give yourself pounds per acre. Oh, wow, you didn't give me a whole lot of time. No, I didn't give you time. (laughs) Okay, and then, so we know we need 10, and then we're going to divide by 35.5, or 0.355, I should say. So we got to put out 28 pounds of zinc sulfate. That will give us 10 pounds of zinc to the acre. That should raise it five parts per million. You're good. This is exactly what we've done. And I'll look up the cost during this break, and we'll talk specifically about cost coming up next. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at CaseIH.com farmall. 
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, just talking about soil fertility a little bit and soil testing. So right before the break, we had this zinc question. Farmer wanted to raise his zinc level yeah, five Doug, parts per million. Doug over in Illinois wants to raise his level another five parts per million yeah. of zinc. And I find it interesting, Brian, because some farmers will say, well, I got two parts per million of zinc. I'm in great shape. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, yeah, but it does depend on the test. Okay, the Malik 3 test is going to read a little bit higher than a DTPA test, for example. And just like we talked about there, Neil Kinsey's test showed 7. So, I mean, it depends on the lab you're dealing with. Okay, but here's the thing. He asked the question, how do I raise it 5 parts per million? Here's how you do it. 5 parts per million. We're going to convert it to pounds per acre. We're assuming this is a 6-inch test, so you multiply times 2. Okay, pretty simple. Parts per million to pounds per acre multiply times two, so five parts per million is 10 pounds. So we want 10 more pounds of actual zinc. The zinc source that he wanted to use is 35.5%. So you take your 10 divided by 35.5%. In other words, 0.355. That gives you 28.17 pounds of zinc sulfate you would need to apply, and you'll get 10 pounds of actual zinc out there. Zinc sulfate for us delivered to our farm right now, I just looked, is $1.33 a pound. So that's $37.46. Now, here's the other thing that I want you to think about. Um, Darren, let's take a guess. What do you think Doug's yield goal is, Doug from Illinois? Well, based on where he's at in Illinois, I'm going to guess he's getting 240 bushel average corn at least. 240. All right. And let's assume that he's leaving all the... Uh, all the residue out there, okay? So all the stover is going to remain out there. What he's going to remove for zinc is 0.26 pounds, okay? 0.26 pounds per year, that's it, as long as he leaves the residue out there. So you just put out 10 pounds. So in other words, I divide the one by the other, and that gives me enough zinc for, Darren, take a guess, how many years? Oh, boy, that's a long time. 38 years. 
Okay, so this is where we lose some people because they're like, what? I'm not, I don't need to put 38 years worth of fertilizer out there. Yes, you do. Because if you don't, here's what happens. Your zinc and phosphorus are out of balance. And I can show you all kinds of data from our farm over the last five years. And we have compared yields to soil tests. And when we don't have that ratio right, we lose. So here's the great well, when, thing with zinc. It doesn't leach away. It's not going anywhere. So as long as you own that ground or and or you keep farming that ground, you're going to get to mine it out of the soil. And here's the other way to look at it. Now all you need is 0.26 pounds a year, not 10. You need 0.26 pounds. Which you can probably meet with your starter or whatever you're doing like that or your pop-up, that kind of thing. It isn't going to take exactly. much. And I, I just look at it this way, though. Why do you build it up all at once? Well, number one, uh, because we know that it works. We've done it before. Yep. And I would suggest for Doug, hey, you want to do that? Do it on one field. Right. See if you can see a difference. See if it works. See if it gives you a return on investment over time. It doesn't have to return all $40 the first year. No. But Here's what the crop takes. 97 cents a year if I was going zinc sulfate. Now, our, our advice, just like Darren said, is we use a little bit of liquid micronutrient with the, with the planter. That helps us maintain where we're at. We use these dries to fix soil imbalances. And so when we're way off, like 10 pounds of zinc off, I'm doing that with zinc sulfate. You can't put 10 pounds of actual zinc in furrow and expect your crop's going to live. No, but but by building it up, what what happens is zinc, it's so important with water regulation in the plant. We're seeing in areas on our farm where we have built our zinc levels up where they were deficient and we were seeing problems out there. We, number one, we don't see the um, rapid growth syndrome that some people will say. <laughs> Basically, it's zinc deficiency. We don't see that in the spring. That's nice. We have better we, overall microbial life, so we have better, healthier soil. We have better soil health. Microbes need that zinc in the soil in balance. And then the other thing is when we get a drought year like this year, we don't burn up quite as fast. Zinc we do is a so key, much better. Zinc is a key to moisture efficiency in the plant. It is really, really important. So do I support what you're doing, Doug? 100%. I would say do it on a field first just to make sure that it works for you. Uh, but here's the other challenge. Once you build that zinc level up, like Brian said, it's going to take a long time to draw that down. Make sure you're keeping your phosphorus levels That's up. Because right. now if you say, you know, phosphorus is expensive or I don't have yep. manure anymore. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait a few years before I put pee out there. No, no, no. You need to once you've built your levels up, now you just have to put maintenance levels out, put the maintenance level out each year. Or you get some agronomy whiz who says, You won't you don't need a hundred parts per million of phosphorus. Fifty's enough. Okay. Well, just like Darren said, if you're fifty now all of a sudden you're out of balance and it's gonna take you a long time to draw that zinc from 10 pounds per acre down or 10 parts per million per acre down to five parts per million per acre where you started. So, and, and worse yet. So Darren gave that example, but I want you to think about this. We run into quite a few people that have 150, 200, 250 parts per million on phosphorus. And they go, well, you guys said I need to get 10 to one ratio. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, you, you do not want to build your zinc level up to 25 or something like that. I mean, unless you're going to maintain 250 parts per million on phosphorus forever, because it's going to take you a lifetime, more than a lifetime to draw that back down on zinc. All right. Uh, thanks for the question, Doug. We really appreciate that, and, and good luck to you. Got another fertility question that comes in from Derek. He said, guys, I'm up in southeast North Dakota. We've got... Uh, 
2.5% base saturation K on a CEC around 20. I want to get my levels up to 4%, and I'm thinking about putting out 400 pounds of potash and 200 pounds of MAP, but here's the difference. I was thinking about doing it with a strip-till machine, and I'm curious what you guys do. I have a machine that I can put fertility down 8 to 10 inches. Uh, I'm currently on some soybean ground that next year will be corn. Do you ever recommend building P&K this way, or do you just do the fertilizer replacement in the strip and maybe do your build in a broadcast? Yes, that's usually what we do. We do fertilizer replacement. If you want to bump it a little bit, fine. But we don't like getting real carried away because I want you to think about this. We don't know exactly where your roots are going to explore each year. And so if they happen to just be where you have all kinds of potash, well, now all of a sudden you may end up with a magnesium deficiency because potassium and magnesium, they always have to balance each other out, just like phosphorus has to balance with zinc and phosphorus has to balance with copper. So this is where broadcasting is a lot safer. That's why Neil, T Neil Kinsey talks about broadcasting so much. It's a lot harder to screw everything up when you've got broadcast. So now that's not to say band doesn't work. It does. And we're all for, with the well, strip toe machine, putting out removal of each nutrient. So if you put the right removal of P and K, great. Here's the nice thing, though. Let's just say, okay, uh, Derek, you're going to strip till, and then you're going to move over 10 inches and strip till next year. Then you're going to move over 10 inches and strip till the next year. In essence, you're That's really building up that 6 to 12-inch soil profile. Yep. So putting a little extra out each yep. time over the next three years that yep. way, I'm all for that yes. because when you look at your soil test, the top 6 inches is where most of your fertility is at. And it's also where most of the air is at, where most of the aerobic microbes are at, all those kinds of things. And as you do strip till and as you build that soil profile down even a little bit deeper, you're going to see better air infiltration down deeper. You're going to see better soil health, better microbes, all those things as you get further into this. If, if you're managing it and you're careful and you're doing everything right. So good luck to you. I think that's a great idea to uh, just put a little bit extra down in those things. And if you really want to do it in a hurry, uh, maybe you broadcast the rest. All right, got a question that came in from Rock, or a comment, I guess. We were talking about organic matter, and Rock says, it takes 100,000 pounds per acre of dry matter to raise organic matter from 2% to 3%. Considering organic matter is also breaking down, it could take a lifetime to even slightly build organic matter levels. Well, Rock, that looks great in a textbook. But out in the field, when you start looking at, well, what's my organic matter level from year to year as you soil test? In one generation, we've seen soil test levels go up significantly on organic matter. And part of it comes down to reducing tillage. Part of it comes down to crop selection and choosing crops that have a lot of roots. But it also comes down to how you're fertilizing. If you're putting out manure, if you're putting out compost, if you're adding more beneficial microbes and doing things to build soil health, everything can happen a lot faster. We've seen that in practice. Yep. So like a lot of things that you might read in a textbook, I think that's a great base to start with. Then take it out to the field and see what you can do yourself. Couldn't agree more. We are always big believers in, let's prove it in the field. Right or wrong, we don't care. We just want to know for sure, and we can prove it one way or the other in the field with Tess. Well, thanks for listening to our program today. And as questions come up this fall on your farm, please send us an email. We would love to help, radio at agphd.com. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.